0: This is the Dancepreneuring Studio Podcast, session number 224, Navigating the Dance Narrative with Regina Klonjewski. Five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this session of the Dancepreneuring Studio Podcast. My name is Annette Bohm, and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world after a 20-plus-year hiatus. The lessons I've learned, the transformation I've experienced, and the wonderful creatives I've met along the way who share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. This episode dives into The Golden Apple, an elaborate artistic creation by Regina Klonjewski Dance Company that will take place in Torrance, California this Saturday, October 21st at 8 p.m. I have my accomplished and lovely guest on this session, established choreographer with many accolades. Regina Klonjewski. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. I'm always so excited to bring you these guests on the podcast. Um, As you know, we cover so many different events and shows and all the things that have to do with dance in the Southern California area. And uh, this is really special because Regina Klonjewski has not premiered a work in Southern California for four years. She's been widely influential for many, many decades in her dance company and also collaborating with other artists. I have to read this um, intro for her because it's just incredible. So LA Times, we're going to get into this, says that she is a dynamic, graceful and indefatigable. Let me see if I pronounce this right. Indefatigable. I've never heard that word, so that's why we got to talk about it. Presence, who appears to have it all. She has created 39 works for Regina Klonjewski Dance Company and collaborated with many national and international artists in music, set design, costume, and film. Her work has received numerous awards, including two grants from the National Endowment for the Arts, multiple awards from the L.A. County Department of Arts and Culture, Mid-America Arts Alliance, Kansas Creative Arts Industries Commission, Wichita Arts Council, four choreography awards from the prestigious Dance Under the Stars Choreography Festival, and 26 Lester Horton Dance Award nominations for achievement in choreography, costume, music, and lighting design. She received a 2008 Distinguished Alumni Award from her alma mater, Ohio University, and she was a 2003 Long Beach Public Corporation for the Arts Fellow. There is so much. You got to check out her site. It's rkdc.org. So that's the information you want to get on the show, her works. Oh my goodness. I just can't wait to get into this. So let's just go ahead and get started. Regina, are you ready to go? Welcome to the podcast.
2: Hello, Annette. So great to meet you, see you, talk with you. Thank you for having me on this wonderful podcast of yours.
1: I appreciate that. Oh my gosh. I have to first, I have all these questions, of course. Um, You were, you started here in Southern California, um, and you have dual presence now with your company in Kansas and in Los Angeles. How did that happen? Tell me about that.
2: Well, that was, uh, I can, uh. I can certainly point to my husband who moved us out to Wichita, <laughs> very simply put. <laughs> um, mm. He had a wonderful opportunity come up around 2014 that we just couldn't pass up as a family and I had three young boys at the time. And so it would have brought us closer to family. It was a great move for him. And at the time in my indefatigableness, I thought for sure I could manage it both. It'll just be a little bit longer commute, right? It takes me sometimes three hours to drive somewhere in LA. So that's just a plane ride now. <laughs> oh yeah, gosh. That was, yes. That was the thinking at the time. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to make fun a little and put it simply. But, um, yeah, but that's really what took us away was family and just, um, and the reason I stayed in California is because I didn't want to lose the the longevity and the connection to the community that we had built for so long. And that was really important to me to stay connected there. And, of course, being in a new community, um, I wanted to create work and work had to happen where I was. And so I wanted to do the same things here. And so that's how we ended up having programming in both.
1: How has it been handling that with you know two different states? Um your family, your boys, like, how do you, how are you indefatigable? I, that word just really got to me when I saw that, that description. I'm like, okay, and actually let me read the description according to the dictionary. Like it's pretty, pretty definitive having or showing a capacity for persistent effort, not tiring or relenting. Synonym is tireless, incapable of being fatigued, not readily exhausted, unremitting in labor or effort, untiring, unwearying, not yielding to fatigue extremely persistent and untiring when when you were described that, you know, that description given to you um, by LA times, like what, what, what was your reaction to that?
2: Uh, Same as yours. I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) And, and I, you know, I, I I could say that I relate to that. I, I'm very persistent. I'm very, um, I don't know if ambitious is the right word, but I, I'm, Outside of my personal life and my boys who are number one, I live for dance. I live for everything dance related. And so I could, I could see that persistence and that um, desire to just constantly be creating and teaching and um, being in community. I thrive off of being around dance people and young people and anybody who wants to, to move with me in any way. And so. Um, so I would say that that is definitely in the, the, the sense of my personality and my desires. That's, I never get tired of that. I don't know about the um, lacking or, or hard to exhaust. I, I would say that the exhaustion comes hand in hand and I, I do work a lot and quite hard to, um, to make all these things happen and juggle a lot. Um, I I do constantly try to find balance with my personal life and with my, you know, my company, um, and that, that is a challenge when expanding and, and taking on two things. But, um, yeah, but I, I would say that, um, it's worked for me. I, I love to multitask. I love to do a lot. I love to stay busy. So it has, it has suited my, my personality in the way that I work for sure.
1: How are, how is your family with, uh, with your creative process? Like how old are your boys?
2: Mm. Well, when we moved, they were young. They were all under the age of 11 at that time. So they're about three three years apart, two and a half, and then the younger ones, three years. So right now, they're 19 going on 20, um, 17 going on 18, and then a 14-year-old. Wow. They are are a part of what I do, and sometimes very much I'm not a part of what I do. (laughs) They're boys, and as much— As much as I, as much as, uh, I work with a lot of, you know, male dancers or male identifying dancers, my boys, with the exception of one of them, doesn't want to have anything to do with dance with the dagger in my heart, but they're all movers. They're all sports. They're all artists. They're all musicians. Um, art is just a big piece of our lives and all, all disciplines of art. We celebrate visual, performing, um, You know, kindergarten pictures all the way up to my son is, uh, pursuing, going to pursue photography in college and we just embrace it all. And I think, um, that I can't see that any other way because I don't want to silo my professional life from my personal life. So they all grew up in the studio, bringing them to the studio when they were younger. Um, they still participate just recently for the Golden Apple premiere. Um, my older two were stage hands and tech hands and, Um, lighting operators, um, they've operated sound for some of some, some performances in the past, student performances. Um, the young one bakes cookies for concessions. I mean, they're all involved. (laughs) It's a family affair.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, that sounds so wonderful. And your husband too, how, how is your husband involved with your work?
2: Well, he's, he's marketing director, uh, for Cox Media and when we were in Los Angeles for Time Warner. So he has been my branding, you know, the brand, the branding, um, strategy behind the company from the beginning. Um, he's also, you know, the company's biggest fan and my confidant and my business sounding board. Um, he's an advisory member on our board. So he's also really quite involved and my go-to, my go-to person. Professionally and personally, when um, you know when I need okay. that corporate like business decision, I'm thinking artistic. Actually, that's not even fair. I go to him artistically as well because <laughs> um, he knows my work so well. So he's uh, he's very involved in that, and and he has inspired and influenced the names of dances. You know, sometimes the the trajectory of a section of a dance that I'm struggling with. You know, I'll just show him. And say, "What are your thoughts on this?" He's kind of my focus group, so I don't know what mm. I'd do without him. He's he, and and he's the one that that, that I'm gonna a little choked up. He's also the one that says, "Keep going, you can, you know, you can do this." When I'm tired, or when I'm doubting, or when there's some big obstacles in the way, he's the one that 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 shores up my foundation and encourages me to move on. So he's he's the world to me.
1: Oh my gosh that did you sound sounds like you have such a great support system with your boys and your husband, and just that all helps you to create your art even in a just in a just that foundation you know having that support i think is such a blessing um it is. It is. I know how fortunate
2: I am. It's just. It's hard enough as it is, right? It's hard enough being in this field or or any artistic field, um, and and just trying to make things happen and having that foundation, that support of the people that believe in you. Um, you know, even even if you have one person at your show, you know, having the foundation of that support system is just it could mean everything for an artist that's going to continue or an artist that's going to get overwhelmed and and you know change paths possibly.
1: So on the outside, you know, you have all the accolades, you have that pretty strong description, um, with LA times and the awards and how is it someone could be on the outside looking like, well, how can you feel insecure or, you know, questioning things and about your art when you have, you know, you're so accomplished. What do you say to that?
2: Oh, gosh. Um. I want to give a very strong, confident answer right now (laughs) or, but to encourage people, but to, to deep, to be honest, every work is new. Every, um, every project is, I look forward. I don't always remember to look back. Now, I, b- I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in my work. I believe in, it's really more about believing the people I work with, you know, p- believing in these wonderful collaborators and dancers and artists I work with. That's where I put my my faith. And sometimes I forget to look back on the things that I've accomplished and, and remember, you've done this. This is going to work out. You're making sound choices. Um, but it's always, with dance, maybe I can talk about this, the vision in my head, the focus of the work is always grand. It's always larger than life in the way that I see it. And when it's when it's happening in real life, and it's the hard work that has to happen, the assembling, the creating, the transfer in dance from a choreographer to a performer and an artist, the transfer of that vision verbally as much as it is physically, it always transforms to something else. And so it took me a long time to realize it's not, it's not less, or it's not, um, it's not different in a bad way. It is the process. It is the process of your dream being translated into reality. And it took me a little while to realize, my God, it's so much more beautiful than I imagined. Um, and so it is, um, yeah, I just, I just find that really important to remember and I don't look back often, like I said, because I want to stay fresh. I want to be surprised. Mm. I want to stay instinctive um, and not ride on any coattails of perceived success or, you know, um, you know, this, this community, you know, really, really, you know, found a lot in that work. Well, this is a different community. Maybe this community is going to feel differently. I, I want to stay um, responsive. And so sometimes that comes with questions, actually all the time, mm. <laughs> constantly comes mm-hmm. with questions. Am I staying responsive? Am I really thinking about who this is for? Am I honoring what I want to do? Am I working with these artists and, and pushing them and giving them space and agency to do their best work? It's always a question. And I don't mind that. I don't, I, it doesn't, uh, I think the last thing I'll say is it's, it's, I don't feel it as a, Uh, negative i don't feel that as a um an obstacle anymore i think yeah because i feel like the confidence is there and the belief in what i'm doing is there i think the questions are more to push the work what else can i say what else can i contribute after the you know 40th work what else is there to say here that's new or that's
1: adding to the world (laughs) I love that. I love how you're co- you're okay with constantly questioning, and not from a place of lack, but how much more like you're thinking there's there's more space. And what you were talking about, am I giving my space to my dancers to do their best work? Like that that collaborative collaborative process just allows more space to have the work flourish that much. Which is now you're getting me even more excited about watching <laughs> your show coming up. Oh my gosh. Uh, so let's let's talk about your dancers like what do you look for when you're when you're working with your dancers and and do you find a common thread obviously you know that technicality is there and and their training and that that's that's you know that's a given but what else have you noticed there's a common thread with the dancers that you work with and even with the other artists you know the collaborative aspect of the you know the different artists that you work with what would you say about that
2: Yeah, with the dancers, um, I really love individuals. I love individuals that will, that are able to take the work that we're doing and, and and still honor like the vision and the goal, um, but bring their individuality and flavor to it within, with underneath the umbrella of the vision. So I love dancers that are confident in, and have a kind of a unique physical voice, um, I, I love watching companies that, uh, all the dancers look alike. They're precise. There's, there's this incredible unison. I do love watching that. And I think that's incredibly beautiful and valid. I personally gravitate to dancers that are different, that are unique, that each look and feel and perform, uh, very authentically to, to whatever, who they are. I hate to say who they are because dancers have many personalities, you know, we all have many identities. So, but, but are, are confident on stage in their, um, artistic voice. So that drives me. And so therefore my dancers don't look the same. They don't, um, their unison is lovely, but there's little variations and I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that in a, in a, in, in a company. I love dancers who are collaborative, who are open to not knowing. And are willing to search and explore in that space with each other. <clears throat> I love dancers that are generous, that are very giving with their spirit and with their, um, you know, uh, what other way to say this? Like, I mean, I think everybody likes you know to work with people who are who who make space for each other, and 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 nobody is in the room trying to, I'd say, be a vortex of attention right? Or energy, but that, that is really allowing everyone to spin together, you know, and, and make something beautiful collectively. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I love all this. Sp- I love hmm Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's okay.
1: No, I was just going to ask like, are there specific, um, disciplines you prefer working with, you know, musicians, actors, or do you have a preference of? people that you prefer to collaborate with other than dancers?
2: Mm, Composers would be number one. Yeah, I've always really prioritized that uh, financially and artistically is working with original music and wonderful composers. Um, The Golden Apple composer is Michael Wall. This was our first collaboration together. And, I mean, he developed an incredibly gorgeous original score that I'm just so, we feel so wonderful to, to dance with and work with. Um, so that's number one. I really I've always I've I've worked with uh pre-recorded music, but I find uh original music that develops in parallel with the work. It's like I remember talking with my costume designer once, it's like um it's like having a custom made gown versus buying something off the rack and how lovely mm-hmm. it fits you and how great you feel in it and how it really accentuates and works together with with everything else so i think original music is just there's nothing like it and and it allows so much creativity too is it live is it um you know is part of it recorded is there text involved is there um um, what kind of instruments can you put together that don't necessarily go together you don't often find so i really love the creativity that original music can bring Um, and I've worked with actors, I've worked with um a visual artists with filmmakers uh the Golden Apple uh I worked with Gold, Stephen Goldblatt who is an animator, a photographer and a film designer and that was a really fun collaboration um to create the landscape and the and the environment for the Golden Apple that was lovely. I think every piece really every piece drives drives to the collaborator as a you know as opposed to the theme drives to collaborators as opposed to me deciding oh i'm going to work with a theater person this time oh i'm going to work with you know a poet mm. um oh and that brings me to poetry i love i love poetry i love all all variations of of language uh spoken recorded um within soundscapes um so we do have also a poet wanderer who's working with us in this piece and she's performing live. Um so I find I find myself wanting to experiment with all all kinds of collaborators, you know, to create these, you know, really expansive pieces.
1: Yes, it's 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 it, it's a different kind of energy that comes with working with multidisciplinary artists that I think just collectively like the whole collaborative process is just it's so exciting it's i find it very exciting to work with uh with other disciplines are there any yeah. dance companies speaking of dance companies and the individuality um are there specific dance companies that you admire personally uh, that you that you would say oh yeah i like them because of they're unique and they have a you know they have d- dancers that are different who who would those who would some of those companies be
2: Oh my goodness! Oh, there's so many, so many <laughs> incredible companies out there. Too, too many to name. I guess the first one that, and and I love them for different reasons. Uh, I really love Ballet prajikaj. Um I always mm, feel like when mm-hmm. I go see a work of theirs, I never know what I'm going to expect. I, I just don't know. Um, a string quartet recorded in a helicopter. You know, uh, you just don't know. And their their dancers are, of course, um, strikingly stunning and technical and virtuosic. Um, but I just really love the ideas, the way that that company puts together their ideas. I love um, Basheva and his, his deep connection to, to the, to organic movement. I love watching his dancers because that is, that is choreography that, that comes from their soul, from their core. And that's really satisfying as a mover to watch that company move. Um, and I love his um, his his. I don't dare try to define it for him, but the way I see it, his abstract themes that really are rooted in in concrete ideas. So I love the unexpectedness of that as well. Um, Galim Dance in New York. I love that physicality. These are all really physical companies. These are really. Mm-hmm. Ex, you know, extreme body <laughs> physicality. So I think I'm drawn to that. Um, so many independent choreographers too. I mean, I love Alonzo King in his work in ballet, and um, you know, again, it's more extreme, uh, really pushing the boundaries of the human body. I think that's what I'm drawn to. And and these and these very abstract or or uh, unconventional ways of approaching. Themes and movement ideas.
1: Would you say that you take some of those types of themes and ideas in your somatics? You teach somatics as well, right? From what I mm-hmm. understand, how how yeah. um, how is had you always done that in your career, or how did that come about? Teaching that along with dance, you know, the the normal technical technique type dance classes.
2: That's such a great question. I I. I just recently tried to look back and where, where did that come from? Because I love teaching semantics. It's my favorite class to teach. Uh, well, I, I was fortunate to have a really great um, education and undergrad education at Ohio university. And Madeline Scott was one of my professors and she taught Laban, Laban movement analysis. Mm-hmm. We even learned notation.
1: I remember oh, that challenging class. No. <laughs> I remember Thank two of them do very well. <laughs>
2: It was so hard. It was so hard. Thank God for videos, you know, video
1: cameras.
2: But, um, but I remember that Laban training and it just felt so good. I was like, this, this makes sense to me. This makes sense to my body. And I, I love teaching it because it, um, I teach, I teach uh, bartinia fundamentals and a lot and more so than the Laban system, but, but uh, the Laban system as well. And I think the reason I love it so much, and I've, I've used it for, not just for teaching, but for choreography inspiration, for, um, 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 partner work for many different, many different aspects for community building. Um, but I think it's wonderful because it's not about a specific genre. It's not about teaching hip hop or ballet or modern it's, but it's really about understanding how the body moves. Most of our bodies, you know, have the same resources and facilities, m- many bodies and core and breath. We all have access to that. Um, you know, a head tail, you know, we all understand the purpose of a spine on a primal level. And I think we sometimes forget where we're trained out of that. Whether it be in dancer or a repetitive like baseball player all your life or whatever it may be, um, we're trained into certain movement patterns, uh, through our experiences. And I just, I love having a student or dancer even uncover much more facility, expansiveness, understanding of that luscious, you know, head tail relationship and spine. Because then the movement that I see that come out of that is just for me so rich and so humanistic. Cause I love the dancers to be humans and individuals. So I just feel like I'm watching somebody's story as opposed to, you know, a technician, um, which is also lovely, but I'm really drawn to that human place. And, and when we're moving organically from our bodies, that's where I see personality, emotion, you know, connection to me as a viewer. It's a connection an energetic exchange because I recognize your body. I recognize that feeling you're going through something. Um, that I can relate to. Yeah. I get a little geeky about somatics. I love it so much.
1: <laughs> oh my good. I get geeky about all this stuff because there's so much <laughs> to talk about with dance. It's like dance. Yeah. But there's all these different spokes within this amazing hub of movement that is beyond that, like you said, beyond the technicality of it, which is why I love these conversations. You were talking about stories. So tell us the story about um, how the golden apple came to be. Um, and I know you're from you. You have back uh, roots in Macedonia, so I'd love to hear about the storybook and like how all that. So you can tell tell our listeners about that.
2: Absolutely! Oh, I'm happy to talk about it. So when I was there in 2018, uh, 2016, I bought a, a children's book for my children. For my children, um, they were with me, <laughs> but I bought it so that we could read it back here. And it was, and I also found it kind of amusing because it was in English. You know, it was the only mm-hmm. book in English, was this Macedonian fairy tale book. And I'm like, perfect. They could, you know, they could read it and, and as well as, as me read it to them. And in it was a story of the boy who hid in the golden apple. And it struck me then, and it continued to kind of stay on the back of my mind for a couple of years until 2018, when I, uh, or actually even later than that, 2019, um, when I, I had been really searching for a, a story that I can. I can challenge myself with a narrative because I don't tend to uh, be a big fan of narrative for myself. I like to keep things loose. I like, I think for Jeff, I said, I like to keep things spacious so that an audience can kind of see themselves in it. So I'm not telling them a specific story so that they can, it could be more you know universal. And, um, and, but, but I was looking for a story that I could actually challenge myself and say, okay, how, how do I, can I work with a narrative and try to, come closer, come closer to developing uh, a more of a dance. I hate to say story, but yes. And I seemed, it seemed the perfect one. And I was taken with it because it had these wonderful themes underneath it. And I felt it right away. Number one, um, it was your traditional fairy tale that, you know, boy meets boy, boy goes out on a quest boy meets the princess boy. tries to win the princess's hand in marriage boy succeeds. They left happily ever after, and we all know as adults we're like, okay, where's all the rest of that story? Where's the struggle? Did this princess really want to get married? Like, you know, do things really happen like that in real life? No, I don't think so. There's just a lot missing there. And and, but we love these magical outcomes, you know, in these stories. Um, And so I was uh, in it. I saw. I was questioning that, and I'm like, this is an anti fairy tale to me. So how how can I work with this? And things that stuck out most dramatically to me are the ecological themes underneath. It had mm-hmm. a lot to do with nature and nature mm-hmm. being, um, you, know, you know, nature being uh, challenged and the kingdom, you know, c- controlling all the resources. And here we have a young boy who is traveling to try to better his life, up his station in life, find his purpose. Um, but there's a lot of uh, obstacles and a lot of uh, subversion going on that really makes it impossible if hard if not impossible for the boy to actually achieve this goal um and so all these all these interesting things were going on and i thought this is a this is a great story to tackle and uh, yeah and i decided to write an nea grant for it got the grant and the rest is history we, we decided to to go for it and and do it and i thought the other thing that the story had to be was very visually um epic had to be visually epic and so the visual design the immersive world became very important now i didn't have the funding to be able to do this do this incredible like 3d immersive set and and do all of that but um but it was enough to work with a a full full screen um uh film design that that wasn't necessarily telling the story but that was this immersive
1: surreal world that we could fall into. What was, um, you, you were saying about the narrative being difficult, you know, you don't necessarily create from the narrative. So what kind of things did you have to do to get yourself in that space to, okay, I'm going to tackle this. I'm going to be, I'm, they told me I'm, uh, in, what is that word again? In, de- in, de- in, de- 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 t- <laughs> <laughs> so fascinated with that word. So what did you do to, to work through that? Is, you know, is it because of, okay, I found this book, it had to do, it it was personal. It was for my, you know, my kids. Do you think that played into it? Like what helped you through the process of creating when it wasn't normally your, your process of doing the narrative?
2: Well, I started with, um, you know, I started with, well, after, after deciding what themes, you know that were speaking to me in the story. These these themes of of animal of of uh, the little boy helping animals along the way to the kingdom, and then them offering him the help getting to the kingdom, being challenged by the princess that he would need to hide for three days or be beheaded if he can't you know hide for three days. If he does, he wins her hand in marriage. The princess you know defying the king by by setting this challenge, really subverting his control over her, you know, so there's feminist themes there as well. And then finally the animals coming and helping him achieve his goal. Um, and then, you know, her falling in love with him. Um, I decided to make a map. I'm like, okay, what if, if Mm -hmm. I could, let me make a map for this story and what would this look like? And, and if, if I, so can I break it down into really important parts. And it did begin to break down into this idea of journey. Um, That was one big theme. So, so our journeys always begin somewhere. We have to have a starting point. And in this story, it began in the, in the, in the village, so to speak, leaving your community and embarking on a quest or, or searching for your purpose, which I think we can all relate to. Um, And then we ended up um, really whittling down the ideas to three elements, earth, air, and water and diving into those uh, sections. And then we tackled the second half of the story, which really took place in this artificial place in the kingdom of extravagance and opulence. And what does it look like um, to be in that place after intermission? And what is happening there? It becomes more about the oppression and more about the subversion. Um, And then finally, we have this challenge, you know, the, the challenge that the princess imparted on the boy and what does that look like when you're Needing to be unseen in order to be seen, um, and then finally the, the the finale, the magical ending that there is hope. There's hope for these people. There's hope for our planet. Um, I definitely knew that I didn't want to leave on a sour note. I wanted us to feel hopeful at the end, and so that sort of developed in these into these seven sections. Um, and some of them bleed right into the other, and some of them are distinct sections that we travel through. And it's the boy's journey. The protagonist, I'll say, he's a grown man <laughs> as he journeys through um, through these sections, and so that's kind of how I tackled the narrative. So I had to make myself a structure, and that's how I worked with the collaborators as well. So it became a massive, compli- like a big spreadsheet of sections and ideas and feelings and pictures, you know, and, and just trying to impart what are these seven sections really about? What are the underlying themes? What's happening with the costuming and the colors? What's happening with the film at this point? Um, so it was probably the most, um, structured process in creating a work that I've ever experienced in my life. (laughs) Um, but it was it was wonderful because i was looking to try something different and something new in my approaches
1: and your mission that totally is your mission of how can i up level the next thing that i do and like you're saying i'm not i'm not looking back so much i've done all these things but what more and and so you're continuing to evolve tackling a narrative that you normally don't giving yourself space that okay this process is going to be a little more structured and even within that you found all these wonderful things that are going to be brought to life when we see I mean already brought to life because you've already premiered it but we get to see it for the first time on the west coast so that's going to be really exciting to, and and now talking to you I'm going to be like oh okay this is where she's talking about this part and how and I I I like to dig in that way to see like well, what is their process I love process like yeah. whether it's structured whether it's open like to 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 hear what's behind the artist creation to me is like like you said i could totally geek out on on it too like yes
2: well that's where we spend 95 percent of our time we spend that time in process we have to love it because Mm -hmm. we're rarely on stage if you really look at the time that dance takes to put together you know i always talk about that with my colleagues who are in music or in theater like i know musical Mm. theater performance can go up in three weeks because you've got the music, you've got the text. I mean, I'm not talking about brand new work, of course, but it's dance takes months and months to rehearse and plan, especially in in original production. And so that's where we're, we're in that time. That's where we're at. We're in the studio discussing, diving into it. And so if you don't love that, Oh boy.
1: (laughs) yes, It's going to show in the work. (laughs) That is so true. That is that's true for anything. If you don't love it, if you don't, if your heart is not in it, it's it's pretty. It, it's a disservice to you as the person that's involved, and then to whoever's receiving it. So, I think it's really right. important to to really be invested in what you're doing.
2: Dance, of yeah, course, is easy to
1: be invested because we love it so much, right? <laughs> so
2: that's right. That's right. And it and it drives your curiosity. It continues to help you dig deeper, look for more uncover places you might not have gone before for sure
1: if you could change anything or if you were with all your experience uh the people you've worked with the different multi-disciplinary artists you've worked with if you could change anything would you change anything learn you know they always say hindsight is you know you look back and you're like i wish i could have done this and but you know i've talked to people where they say no i I wouldn't change anything because i wouldn't be here at this moment and learned all the lessons I've learned if things were different, it'd be a different experience.
2: That's, I mean, yeah, that's 100% true. I, David Dorfman was my mentor through my MFA and I remember a comment he said is that every experience brings you to the next experience. You can't possibly get there without the experience prior. That's so true. It's really hard to go back and say, oh, you know, if I change this, you don't know how that would have changed the rest. Um, but, but if I could, if I could step back from that and think of one thing, I mean, I would, I don't think I would change anything about um, the way the company has worked. And I mean, the, the, the opportunities that, that I'm so grateful for that have come from, from having this company, um, I would maybe perform more. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I think I gave up on
2: performing a little early because, well, I just, I, I wanted to spend time with my kids, you know, when they were young mm-hmm. and I would never mm-hmm. change that. But if, but if I had 48 hours in a day, I would have liked to perform more. (laughs) And I still do every now and then I get on the stage, but, and, and it's, I found it the last time I got on stage, I found it so valuable, not just for, for me and my expression, my creative self, my, to satisfy my own need to, to perform again and to feel that, um, uh, physicality. Um, but it, it keeps me in my dancer's world. It keeps me, um, present into their experience and into it doesn't I don't get too distant understanding what they're going Mm. through or how they're perceiving the stage and their performance and it just keeps me a little bit more connected to their needs and reminds me you know the dancer's world so I can stay responsive to that so that was another benefit I found recently when I got back on stage
1: how recent was that when was the when was the most recent time that you were on stage um 2021
2: i performed in a in a show that we did dustin ions that was a collaboration with alex joaquin composer and then i also um for my mfa did a little bit of performing um yeah. yeah yeah so it's it's smaller things putting myself out there in in ways that i felt like i could manage and still bring my full artistry you know and have the time to invest in that
1: process once again that just the, the investment yes. in the process is so it's is so instrumental in bringing it to like its full expression capacity which is it's just such a one you know you, you see like like what you're talking about. oh we have three weeks to get this show out or whatever in musical theater or something and then you have dance which could be you know months years on end on some things i, ha- I have a friend who just yeah I mean, her, her, her most recent work, I haven't seen it yet is eight years in the making. Like she's been working on this for eight years. So I'm excited to see like, what is it, you know, what's what, and talk to her too. Like, what was your, what's, what was going on for those eight years in your process? And she's very process driven as well. And she's also very multidisciplinary too. And, and very, um, very vocal about uh, social justice and that kind of thing. So that kind of stuff, I mean, to process all the other, just besides the movement of it. It's quite an undertaking, some of these things, you know.
2: (laughs) And can you imagine like your, your ideas and your, and your goals when you started eight years ago to where, you know, to all the things that have happened over the eight years, as you're working on this to where it is now? I mean, that's, that's an incredibly deep and rich and, you know, that would be incredible to see that. And to hear, and yeah. to hear that, hear the development of that process over those years and how it's changed and how it's grown.
1: Yes, I do that. Um, are there any dance styles? You you have your MFA, you've danced for a long time. Um, are there any forms you haven't tried yet that you'd like to and why? Anything you haven't I do- experienced?
2: TAP would not be on that list. I just I know that I would not want to try TAP. I love watching it. I love it so much. I had to perform it once in another company when I was younger, and it was the most challenging experience of my life. TAP is not my thing. Um, but, God, I love watching it. Um, I, I've i tried a number of, of different genres, um, cultural dance, of course, modern ballet, hip-hop. I, I just, I love modern. I just love it. I love all those other forms too. But right now, you know, if I think about what would make me happy, if I could go to one class, it would be a modern class. It would be an improvisation class. Um, I just, I love the personal discovery that happens in those classes. Mm-hmm. I think when I was younger, I loved the technique and the, um, the, 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 learning of the code of the, of the style and the, and the codified exercises and the history. I love that of all genres. So right now, what makes me happy is very diverse forms of contemporary dance, modern dance, improvisation, um, finding, you know, yourself in the movement. Yeah. I could do that all day.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, I could too. If you were to describe a dance style that is what you're feeling right now, what would that be and why? Ooh!
2: Ah, uh, <laughs> such a hard question. Um, I want to give us such a great, smart answer. Uh, what's coming to mind right now? Something fun, uplifting, something up in the chest, something happy. You know, something bouncy. I don't know. I'm feeling uh. I'm feeling something really joyful. This has been such a wonderful conference conversation. I love talking with other artists and and hearing their joy in, in moving and dance. I don't know
1: what, what, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of genre would that be? Um What's like, the, you know, like salsa kind of like, you know, mar, you know, the Latin, I think when I think Latin dance, I think happy and joyful and. Yes. Uplifting. Yes. it's uh,
2: uh, Also really. Um, really uh, fluid in the spine. I love to live there too. That's a very, a lot of rotation, a lot Mm -hmm. of curling. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I do some, uh, some loose salsa (laughs) if I could, (laughs) because nobody's going to accuse me of being a a true salsa dancer, but I, I admire it and I will follow along and feel the joy. And it's such a Latin dance is such a, a joyful, expressive genre, right? Like everybody looks like they're always having so much fun and it's coming from the core.
1: Yes. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I could see you doing that though. I could see you like, if you were to do that, I could see you totally doing that very well.
2: Uh, just like tap. I did have to perform That's... it once with my, my amazing dance partner, Alberto Espinoza in That's Chicago. Good. And I got to wear the great outfit and and he, he taught me really well and it was super fun. Um, but yeah, like I said, nobody can accuse me of, of really being a
1: (laughs) salsa dancer, but I was so happy to be on stage and shaking it like nobody's business. (laughs) Oh, that's what counts though. That is what counts. It's that enthusiasm, (laughs) the investments, because you know, you're indefatigable. So you're always going to be putting 110% (laughs) in everything that you do. So Oh my gosh! So tell us about yes. uh, tell us about. Um, I know I know I'm going to be there, but tell us about um, the Golden Apple. I know where it's at, but I want you, I want it to come from you. Where it's going to be and all all the good things. As we absolutely
2: end here. well, it's at the James Armstrong Theater in Torrance, California. It's the sta- it's the stage that the company debuted on in 1999. So it's extra special for us. We're going to be there. Um, it is 8 p.m on October 21st, Saturday, October 21st. And, uh, it's presented by the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation. And so you could go to their website. I think, uh, toka.net. Oh my goodness. I'm going yeah, to put that. it in the show notes me all, on the all, spot. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Oh, perfect. Yeah. All these yeah. will be in yeah, the yeah. show notes. Right. So you can get tickets there. It's reserved seating. The show is approximately an hour, 40 minutes plus intermission. Um, yeah and it's just going to be i think it's just going to be a visual feast for the eyes it's It's just going to be a a night that I'm super proud of that is i think really engaging for a dance audience but also really engaging for an for a new dance goer that's what I think is really special about it I think you don't have to know dance to come and and really lo- you know be inspired by any of the access points, whether they be the visual design or the virtuosity of the dancers or the incredible music um or the story and the poet that weaves her way through the audience and on stage. Um, So I think there's something for everybody at any level of experience with contemporary dance.
1: I'm so looking forward to it. And again, I'll link all the information in the show notes. Is there any last words of wisdom from the indefatigable Regina (laughs) Kwanjalski? Never stop moving.
2: Never stop moving. Moving is life at any age. I see it every day I have. My parents are in their late 70s. I just met, a, I just met with a, one of our board members who's also 70, and she is as spry as can be because they never stop moving. Um, so that would, be my, that would be my wish for all of us, that we found movement in our lives every day.
0: Thank you again for joining me. Remember, you are valuable, your dreams are important, and it's never too late to be great.